So you'll see that the table is set, and we are going to be sharing the Lord's Supper together at the end of the service. And if you belong to Jesus, you belong at the table. And we do it a little bit different here. We'll, what we'll do is we'll have everybody stand up. They'll go to the right. They'll come through. They'll get the element, and then they'll go sit down or go stay standing, and then we'll share it all together. So if you're new here today, just to let you know, that's kind of how, how we do it here. And uh, we're, we just welcome you to come and worship through remembering how marvelous and how good Jesus is to us. So if you pay attention at all to like sermon topics that we put on the internet or whatever, you might have seen the word Niawala. Can anybody tell me real quick what that word is? It's pretty simple. I'll give you a clue. Tomorrow is a clue. Yeah, it's Halloween spelled backwards, okay? When I was a kid, we used to go to this Neowalla Parade and this festival in Independence, Kansas. Has anybody ever been to the Neowalla Parade or festival? You people aren't living. Yeah, one guy, one guy back there, me and him, we're the only ones that have been there. It was exciting. Was it, remember when we were just kids back then, back in the day? Um, but that was, it was kind of like Christianity's answer to Halloween. Like, let's, let's instead of like celebrating all of the evil or whatever, let's get together and let's have a parade and big festival. And so it's been going on for, for several, several years. I did have a question uh, come to me yesterday via text message saying, Brady, what does the church believe about Halloween? You know, do you celebrate Halloween? Do you even, and I said, here's the thing. I said, we don't celebrate evil. We don't promote evil. But we do celebrate families being together and, and, and rejoicing and having a good time and sharing and doing things like that. And so we encourage you to spend some time together as a family. Look for ways to use um, Halloween as an outreach to your community, to your neighbors, and have fun, fun with it. But we don't, we don't necessarily, it's not like a holiday we observe here at the church or whatever. But, but when I think about Halloween and I think about the word Neawala, I think about the opposite of. So kids, when, when you think about Halloween, what do you think about? Looking at each other, what do you think about? You think about candy, right? You think about going to someone's door, knocking on it, and getting something, right? Okay? And so when I think about Neawala, when I think about the opposite of that, we think about how is it that we can be a part of giving and using this time of year and this season as a season of giving back. And, and so that's the reason why we kind of really wanted to touch on that today. And we talked last week about how church is a verb. If we're going to be a part of being action-oriented, how can we be a part of that? How can we do something to be a blessing in our world, in our community too? And so we're going to have a couple opportunities to do that today. One of the most obvious ones is right here in all of these bright Christmas boxes called Operation Christmas Child. How many are familiar with Operation Christmas Child? You've heard about it before. Well, we're going to show a uh, we're going to show a little promo video, and then I'm going to have my friend Elise, and she's going to come up and she's going to share just a personal story about how this particular ministry has impacted her life. And she was one of the catalysts for us making sure we do this this year. So, so I want you to frame it like this. I want you to think about. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, okay, going from right where we're at to, to our community, to the city, the greater city of Kansas City, and out to the ends of the earth, okay? And so this literally will be one way we will touch the ends of the earth from right here in this building. And so take a look at this uh, video, and then Elise will come up, and she'll share. Awesome. So real 
practical uh, way to impact someone's life that you'll maybe never see this side of heaven. There'll be another opportunity this morning, and we will take some time here in just a little while to really just pray about and think, God, what is it that you would like me to do? How do you want me to participate? And the other one are these boxes right down here underneath my feet. Each one of these boxes can be uh, taped up and it has a brochure connected to it that tells you what it is that you can place in there. Now, this is groceries for a, an event called the Day of Hope, which is happening on December the 3rd here in Kansas City. It's going to be held at the Rock of KC, the church not too far from here, and they open up their building. And this is an opportunity for, right now, I think they have 1,300 individuals registered to come to this event. And these are families all over our community that just need um, a hand up during this time of year. They need something to eat. They need uh, basic supplies for, for their children, like socks and underwear. And uh, the Calling Community Church has donated um, some money to help offset the cost of the socks and the underwear. But as you look at this brochure, it'll, be, it'll tell you all kinds of different ways you can get involved. The most practical way is putting food in this box and then bring it back to church. Okay? And that's all you got to do. Just bring it back, set it right where you got it, and we'll make sure it gets delivered to where it's supposed to go. So box of food, and then um, along with the box of food is an opportunity for you to, to register to be a volunteer that day and come on the Day of Hope and just build relationships, which was really the most important piece because relationships last a lot longer than a few canned goods in a box. And so it'll tell you how to, get how to get signed up. You go online, sign up to volunteer, and then they'll tell you where you need to go. They'll have like a volunteer um, orientation. But the, what they really want to see happen is, let's say you are a family that comes to this event and you're there to receive the blessing, and you're met by another family that says, hey, we're gonna walk with you through this process today to make sure you get all of your needs met, and we're gonna build a relationship with you. So when, by the time you leave here, you'll know not only that you'll have things to take home to give to your children, but you're also going to have a new friend. And so that's a practical way for us as the church to reach out into the greater community. Um, and because we always talk about this a lot. Listen, look around you. We have plenty of seats. Most of the time, the, the impact we're going to have is by us going outside the doors and touching those people's lives. And so I want you to, to be encouraged. So we'll have an opportunity here in a little while, together as a family, as an individual, whoever you're here with today, uh, be thinking and praying about, like, how maybe God wants me to do the, the, the children's box. Maybe God wants me to do a box of food, or maybe he wants me to do both. And so be thinking and praying about how, how that's going to look for you today. That's the church being um, proactive and being active, being a verb in in our community. So those are some real practical ways. And then in a few weeks, uh, we'll, you'll hear us talk more about uh, an opportunity to go back down into the inner city to a Hispanic church down there where we've, we've been before. And they're going to have a big festival of all kinds of different foods from different countries. And they're going to do this as an opportunity to raise funds and raise awareness of the need to plant churches in Cuba. Let me tell you a cool story. We had this gentleman come and preach at our church. Uh, it's been a year ago now, I think. 
he came and he preached. His name is uh, Pastor Leo Cabrera. He had been imprisoned in Cuba for his faith. He got out of there. He's been out of there for 18 years. He came and shared on a Sunday morning, and then we went back on a Sunday night, and I got to preach at their church, and we shared fellowship, and we had some time together afterwards. We, just as a church, we gave, we, we gave this gentleman, gave his ministry $500. Do you know what he did with that $500? He took it back to his church, and they took that money and planted a church in Cuba. In Cuba. $500. A hundred people attend that church today. You planted a church in Cuba and you didn't even know it. That's pretty cool. Look at the person next to you and say, that's pretty cool. We, I didn't even know. How did we do that? Well, we did it because we sowed that money into a ministry that really believes in walking by faith and not having any fear, like no fear. They're literally taking people back to Cuba next month. Anybody want to go? Yeah, wouldn't that be awesome <laughs> to go? That'd be, it'd be scary, but it'd be awesome to go too because they've opened up the doors and they're allowing that to happen. So just, just pay attention. How are some practical ways that we can get in, in making this, um, these things happen as a church? So I want you to be excited about that. I don't, are you excited about that? You know, is there, is there too much, I mean, going on that we're not that excited? I want to be um, encouraged by that, that we want to we definitely help make that happen again. So some real practical ways of how you can get involved. And so let's, uh, let me do, let's just do this right now. Tony, where are you at? Tony, come here real quick. All right throw a wrench into the works here. Just come on up. Yeah, come up on stage. And I just pick up a guitar, right? <laughs> and I want you to pay, play some, some music. And I want you to do me, if you're here with your family, someone in your family, or if you're just here as an individual, maybe get with another individual. And, and I, don't want, I don't want to make this weird or uncomfortable for you, but I want you to just, together, I want you to... Um, I want you to just pray and ask God, God, what do you want me to do today? Like, how, how do you want to use the blessings that we've been given to bless somebody else? Okay? All right? And so, listen, listen. I want you to pray, and I want you to specifically say, um, Lord, is it, uh, is it the operation? Are we, are we okay here? Stay close to that box, <laughs> right on top of it. God, is it, is it, do we, are we, are we going to be a blessing to a child somewhere in America? Now listen, this is not high pressure, we're not selling anything here, okay? This is an opportunity for you to be, um, be a part of the blessing. Because, listen, Halloween you go to receive, but in Neawala, you come to give. That's the opposite. It's the opposite. So I want you to think about doing this as a family. Don't just say, as an individual, like, get your family involved. Get friends involved. Say, hey, would you come with me? Take your family with you when you go shop for the groceries. Let your kids pick the stuff out. But make this a family project, okay? Maximize this. Don't just go, oh, I just got to take it, got to check this off my list of things to do. No. Use this as an opportunity to make a difference in your own home. This is a discipleship opportunity for you in your own home, Okay? So I want you together, just as Tony plays, and I want you to, to talk about it among yourselves. This is a good time. Just have a conversation. 
pray about it together, and then when you say, you know what, let's make a decision, maybe you already know, then I just want you to come up, and I want you to take a box, take one of these boxes. Now, just tell you the first 10 people or so that come and take one of these boxes, there's a $5 coupon off a $50 at Price Chopper. Hey, just a little incentive, just a little incentive there. Just saying, you know, save, save yourself some money. All right, so talk about it among yourself, okay? Casey's like, you took my partner away from me. How am I supposed to talk with him about it? You can come up and talk to him while he's playing. <laughs> this is positive peer pressure, ladies and gentlemen, right here in your midst. <laughs> Everybody else is doing it. I guess I have to, you know. On the Operation Christmas Child, you can choose whether it's for a little boy or a little girl. <clears throat> hey, listen. This is one of my favorite things to do as a pastor, to watch the church be the church. I mean, it just, it really is. Because you, the ripple effect of this and the blessing you're going to get is way beyond anything we can even measure here at church. There's, there's uh, all that information is in those little Operation shoe boxes. Now, if we run out of stuff, don't worry. Next week, it'll magically appear. There'll be more, all right? The music is to law you into giving. It's to, it's come. Oh, yes. Yeah, there's more Operation Christmas Child boxes here. If you want to take the challenge of putting one of these babies together, you can do that. Proud of you for, for not coming up and taking the ones that are already prepared. That's perfect. It's already done. I'm done. Here's seven bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Some good, honest people here in the church. That's awesome. Here is, um, that goes with that. Anybody else? There's an offering envelope. That was a trick there to get you to pick that up. <laughs> yes, um, there's flyers out. All right, so let's, let's just pray together. As we so I want you to think about this box or these boxes that you hold in your hand. And I want you to try to, as best you can, I want you to envision, especially just, first of all, the, the little child somewhere in the, another part of the world that's going to be sitting anxiously waiting with a bunch of other children and there are some workers that are going to come in. Like, wouldn't you want to be on the other end of this where you get to be the one? Like, like that. Like, you actually are providing an opportunity for somebody to get their socks blessed off this year. By getting to be there, they're going to hand this little package to this little child. And I want you to think about what you pack in that box is going to be perfect for that little one. It's going to be exactly what they needed and maybe exactly what they wanted. 
Do you think God is big enough to make that happen? Like he can literally take just our little plan right here today and turn it into this specific blessing in a little kid's life? Yes, absolutely. He's that personal. In the box of food that you're going to pack and the family that's going to sit down and a mother who can fix her family a meal that they weren't, they weren't prepared for because they just thought they didn't have anything left and now that box of food comes in. Think about all the relationships that are going to be built. Maybe a bridge built that you can cross it with the good news of Jesus because of your generosity. So Lord, right now we offer these, these boxes back to you as a, as a sacrifice, really. I mean, because I, I get it, Lord. All of us in here, we have our own needs and our own things that we've got to take care of, but God, I pray that you would multiply their blessing for giving. Like they, well, they realize, God, there's no way they can outgive you. That you. Would you supply all of their needs for them being willing to supply the needs for someone else? Would you meet them in this place? Would this be an act of worship together as a family or as an individual? As they shop for these things and as they pack these boxes, they'll see this is, this is, as, as valid as being in church on a Sunday morning. We're worshiping as we give. I pray to draw families closer together. I pray kids will see the value of giving, that it is better to give. We thank you that you provide these opportunities for us as a community of faith. And so we just submit all of these things to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tony. When I first started uh, thinking about this idea of, of just kind of the reverse of, of going and receiving, but coming and giving, I thought about, uh, I'm going to move over close to this box here. I thought about this, this passage of Scripture in the book of Philippians where it talks about Jesus uh, leaving heaven and coming to earth and coming to take on the very nature of a servant. And so that, that, that just got my mind rolling on this. And so if you have your Bible, Philippians chapter 2 is kind of where we'll, we'll spend some time this morning. And I think it's kind of a cool picture that you've already come to give. And here in just a moment, you're going to come and receive. And I think that's a beautiful picture. When you let go and you give, God fills your hands back up again. And so in Philippians uh, chapter 2, just in the book of Philippians in general, Paul, this guy named Paul, he's an apostle. He is in prison and he's writing a letter to a church. Okay, just a just this Paul's thinking about the church and he's thinking about how can I encourage them how can I challenge them how can I just let them know that I love them and I'm thinking about them and so he writes this letter and he has a friend who actually was with Paul 
there in kind of in the same area where Paul was in prison to help take care of Paul. Do you realize in those days you didn't get a meal provided to you? You didn't get anything provided to you. The only, only thing that you got was from the people in your family or in your community that loved you enough to supply your needs. It's a lot different than in the, in the culture that we live in today and the prisons that we experience today. If people didn't bring you food, you didn't eat. If people didn't bring you clothes, you just stayed in the ones that you were imprisoned in. You better hope you had some good ones on or at least some on at all when you got thrown in jail. And so Paul was there and his, uh, his friend was, uh, was there with him and his friend got sick. But then when his friend got well enough to travel, Paul said, all right, I'm sending him to you with this letter and I want you to, to hear what I have to say. So Paul's writing from prison. I just think this is always so amazing to me. Paul is writing from prison to encourage others. You know, he's not in a good situation. He's not like sitting in the day room watching ESPN, uh, reading a Bible. Like he is literally in chains in prison for his faith. And he actually tells them in a very, right there in the beginning of the, the book in chapter 1, verse 12 through 14, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Like he said, hey, my bad situation has really turned into something amazing for the gospel. And listen, and I'll just, I'll just touch on this because it's still so fresh, but isn't that our prayer for the Jairus family? And the Nichols family, if you're familiar with Lost Landon? Yesterday was a week since the funeral had happened. And uh, someone had, a guy that was there at the video in the service actually emailed me the file. I was watching the funeral over again last night, which I don't know if that was a good idea or not. (laughs) But don't we want to believe that what has happened to this family really will serve to advance the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ, that the message of hope in Jesus will be advanced because of their loss? I mean, isn't that a good thing to think about and pray for? Absolutely. And then Paul goes on to say, actually what has happened is people have actually become more bold in their faith because of me being in prison. Like, they're like, man, if if Paul can do this, if he can go through this, then, man, my situation isn't that difficult. And I want to be more bold for the gospel. And I don't remember a few weeks ago if I shared this thought or not. I think, think it was one of those, that was the day that I just felt like I didn't get through everything that I wanted to say. But I want, I want you to hear this today. Don't believe the lie that there is no way God can redeem what you've been through or what you are co- currently going through. Okay? Because if you believe the lie that he can't, you're stuck. And it's a miserable place to be. You are in a different kind of prison. And let me just be honest with you, earlier this week, that's where I was. I was in a difficult place. And you know, sometimes the pastor has to be reminded of these things too. 
Then I ran into a friend at the Y who gave me a spiritual kick in the pants. Need that every once in a while, right? Yeah, it's like you need to hear stuff that you know is true, but you need to hear it anyway so that you can believe it that it's true. Like, you're like, dude, I knew that. I don't know why. Why was I not thinking that way, you know? But, so, but that's, that's who we are to one another. We're to spur one another on and encourage one another. So don't believe the lie that, you, that God's not going to redeem what it is that you're going through. Paul is in prison, and he believes that God's going to actually advance the gospel because of what he's going through. Okay? So that kind of sets up, sets up this next part of this, uh, in this passage of Scripture. So look at chapter 2. So Paul says to the, to the church, he says, for one, even before two, he says, here's the thing. Uh, if you've believed in Jesus and you want to be a follower of Jesus, uh, this doesn't make bumper stickers very often, but here's the reality is, is you're going to probably suffer in some form for his sake. Okay, not the most popular church message out there today, Right? It's not going to sell a lot of records and, you know, make a lot of, you know, a lot, a lot of positive fanfare. But the reality is, is if you want to identify yourself with Christ, then there is going to be some form of suffering that you're going to have to experience. You know, and, and, it, and it's different. It's measured out differently for each one of us based on, I believe, how it is that we can re, will react and, how, and what it is that we can handle. I mean, this gentleman that was standing here preaching a year ago who spent, I don't know how many months in jail in Cuba. Now, I've never been in prison for my faith. I don't know, maybe someday, that, maybe someday that'll come to that here in this country that we live in. I don't know. And I hope to think that if that is the case, I will be strong enough and prepared enough and ready to say, if that's what happens, that's what happens. If it advances the gospel, if it increases the faith, if it causes people to pray, then so be it. Let's pray that that doesn't happen. <laughs> but but you, you never know. So Paul's telling them this. So, so he goes on in, in chapter 2, he says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. He says, complete my joy by being of the same mind and having the same love, being in full accord and in one mind. He's saying, love one, of the, love one another, be united, row together. If you're here last week, let's row together. Be, stand firm with one another. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. He's telling them in the church, there's no place for one-upmanship. Oh, yeah, well, let me show you. Let me see how good I am. Let me, oh, yeah, you took three boxes? I'll take four. Okay? Just so that other people say, oh, man, look, he took four boxes. Man, he's awesome. Now, if you took four because you can and you felt like God put you, praise the Lord. Bless you. But it's the attitude. It's right. It's, being, it's the attitude that we do it is where he's really touching. And this, this actual passage of Scripture, he's really, he's giving an example of what true humility looks like. He's explaining to the church, this is what true humility looks like. And then he's going to give it an example of how Jesus lived out that humility. Which, by the way, Jesus will never call you to anything that he hasn't already done. 
that he hasn't already experienced, that he hasn't already lived out, so that, for one, you know that, well, if, if Jesus has done it, then I want to do it too. And so that you also know you, you're not going to do it alone, he's going to help you do it, okay? And so he says, uh, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, which is necessary. I mean, you all have your own families and your own things that you've got to take care of. But it says also to the interest of others. Look to the interest of others. And he says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Be like-minded. Have the same mind as Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not, did not count equality with God a thing to be held on to or grasp. And so I was thinking about, now kids, listen, kids, raise your, raise your hands if you're a kid in the room. Cody's looking at Courtney, am I still a kid? Kind of, yeah, like if you, yeah, if you're a teenager, you're still a kid, all right? Now, I want you to think about this. Tomorrow, most of you will dress up in some type of costume, right? You guys got it all thought out, you already know what you're going to be, right? I had a tragic story when I was a kid, and I, I, I seriously thought about trying to find the picture, but maybe you've heard me tell this sad story before, but that was a story when everybody else had a costume, everybody else had a mask, but me. Everybody say, oh, that's sad. I was the only one in the picture without a full costume. I was crying. I guess I was a big baby, and that was, well, I dressed up as a big baby. That's what I guess was what it was, because I was, like, sad, because I didn't have a full, man, you want the whole costume, Right? You want all of, all of the people, all the accessories to go with it. And parents, we drive ourselves crazy now making sure that our kids have everything. Not, not lacking anything, right? The reason why I share this, kids, listen. Jesus, before he came to walk on the earth, his costume was equal to the creator of the universe. He was like God. He was God there with him. He was dressed in all of the greatness of God. And it says that Jesus left that behind and he came and he put on a new costume you know what he came and dressed himself like he dressed himself like you and me Jesus put on skin in order so that he could walk through all the same stuff that you've walked through in John it says he was the word that became flesh and he dwelt among us so that, like in Hebrews it talks about, so that he can be a priest that understands what it is that you go through. Jesus, his costume was human skin. He took, not only did he take on human skin, but he took the lowliest form. And it says in scripture that he became a servant. We think, maybe, that, you know what, if Jesus was really going to come, he should have came like a king, like in a horse, and with a big sword. Does that sound awesome to you boys? You're like, yes, sword. Cool. Huge, massive, with flames shooting out of the end of it. You're like, man, that would be the best costume ever. Mom, Dad, can I be Jesus on a horse with a sword? We think that's what a king should come as, but yet Jesus just reverses it. He flips it around, and it says that, it, that uh, he, didn't, he didn't see this equality with God, something that to be held on to, but he emptied himself 
by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So instead of coming like we thought he should come as a king, he came as the most vulnerable thing you could possibly ever come as, as a baby. And then he grew up understanding all the, all the struggles, all the temptation, all the things that we've walked through. And then it says he, this is my interpretation, he, he became nothing in order for us to become something. Nothing for us to be something. He became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, which is the most miserable way to die in that culture. That could have been the end of the story, but the great news is, therefore it says, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In Jesus' willingness to sacrifice and give, he has been given <laughs> the name that is above all names. Do you see the picture of that? Listen, if you want to know the, the, real, the true meaning of life, and I'm str- I still struggle with this, and I'm learning too, that in the giving and sacrifice, is when the true blessing and receiving comes. That is the basic message of the Christianity. That's it. It's not some big mystery. And when you offer yourself and when you give, hold on. Because you're going to watch God bless you. Now, obviously, Jesus is the only name that will be given among men that might, you might, people might be saved. I mean, you're never going to be exalted to that highest place. But Scripture does say that when we put our faith in Jesus, we become co-heirs with him, seated with him in the heavenlies. That's a pretty cool picture. And that doesn't happen until we humble ourselves and say, I got to take off this old costume of all about me. And I got to put on a new costume where it's all about him. Does that make sense? The Bible says clothe yourselves and get compassion and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Like putting on a new person. And he says, he told them in the beginning, he says, you got to do this. You got to be one, one in mind. You got to show affection for one another. Like look, look to the interest of others. Um, not do anything out of selfish ambition, which is so hard for us as people. Anybody else struggle with that? Selfish ambition? You look at your spouse, you know, that you, you know what they're thinking. <laughs> I want to finish with this quote, and then we're going we're gonna to lead worship. So the worship team, come on up. If you're serving communion this morning, go ahead and come on forward. <clears throat> so this is a, this is a quote that, that really kind of touches on this, this passage of Scripture. It says, When we understand the incredible sacrifice, grace, and mercy of God on our behalf, 
we realize that we have no use for pride. When we recognize God's abundant grace, provision, and love, we understand that we have no need for selfishness. We need not focus solely on our own interests because we rest in our Savior, Jesus. We have been adopted into an eternal family, and we can learn to love that family as the Father has loved us. Rather than be motivated by selfishness or pride, we can be of one mind with fellow believers and put their interests before our own. When we come to the table this morning, here's a thing that you need to understand. If you're here this morning and and you're like, Brady, I don't know if I've really, truly put my hope in Jesus. I mean, here's the reality. One day your knee is going to bow and your tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. I would say, choose to do it now when it's your choice. When you can say, Jesus, I want to confess. I want to bow and I want to believe that you are who you say you are. And that you can redeem whatever it is that I'm going through right here, right now. So maybe this morning before you even come forward to receive the communion, maybe say, Jesus, I want to make sure that I'm yours and that you're mine. And so you could even pray. Say, Lord, come and forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of all the unholy stuff in my life. Make me clean. Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are. And Jesus, I believe that God raised you from the dead. It's a powerful prayer. And it gives you access to this table where we come to remember the sacrifice Jesus has made for us. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand right where you're at. And when the music starts, you're going to come to your right. And um, let's see. John, would you help me out? Are you, are you coming up? Are you? Do me a favor. Would you grab this basket over here? This morning when you come, just if you come prepared to give an offering or you have your attendance sheet that you filled out, John will be standing right over here and just place it in the basket. So it's another one of those kind of pictures. Come on over, John, and stand over by the sound booth. It's kind of another picture of giving before you receive. And then we'll have the elements. And Steve, why don't you step right up here to the seat there. Boom. So we have two different lines. So you can come to one line or the other and take a piece of bread and take a, a little glass of juice and go back to your place and just wait until we all have it and we'll all share together. So Lord, come. Speak to our hearts. We come to, to give and to receive. We thank you, Jesus, that you left heaven and came to earth to give us an opportunity to share in this moment. We just praise you in Jesus' name.